Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Calon FM. With me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. And this week on the business community, we are still delivering content to the airwaves via the magic of Zoom. And this week we've decided to invite a guest into our Zoom room. Uh, more of that in a little moment, because Heather, I'm just wondering how you're getting on with the whole lockdown thing. It continues to be a challenge for me, <laughs> but um, but I've been keeping myself busy. Uh, a bit of coaching work going on for my own business, but predominantly um, I've been working on a bit of a project with the charity that I'm involved with. So we're ramping up our, our PR because we're doing a lot of, as are so many people of course we're doing a lot of great work in the local area and yet I don't think our reputation is is necessarily one that is recognized as um, a, a key charity uh, so we're deciding to make sure that we use this opportunity to highlight the types of work that we already do and are continuing to do so it's been quite nice to get stuck into a project and work on it with other people Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which, you know, helps a great deal, really. What about you? How are you getting along? Uh, work is ticking along just fine. Working from home, I've, I've got the rhythm with the work-life balance. That's fine. Uh, but I'm finding that I'm doing a lot of Shakespeare at the moment. Look so, at you. <laughs> way more Shakespeare than I ever did at school. Um, I've been enjoying the National Theatre Live. Um, to be fair, that's not just Shakespeare. Um, I've watched Treasure Island and Jane Eyre, both excellent productions, and the Globe Theatre. That's been wonderful. And then this week started the series of author talks organised by Booker that we mentioned on the show last week. And uh, on Monday, I listened to Jack Monroe, and it was very enjoyable. And uh, I think it was an excellent initiative by Booker and the other three bookshops that joined forces with them. So I'm. I've got in my schedule to do a few more listen-ins over the next few weeks. <clears throat> and um, I also noticed that um, Wrexham Carnival of Words, although they cancelled their live event, have scheduled some Facebook Live talks as well. So I think that's a, a great idea and I'm going to be tuning into a few of those. So let's get on to our first segment of interview with Yana Hughes, a lady I met many years ago now at a yoga retreat and uh, um, our paths have crossed several times over the years always drawn to her, her energy and enthusiasm about this subject and she's going to start talking about plastic free Wrexham and then we're, we're going to move slightly into some other topics after some music okay so we are joined via the magic of zoom um by Yona Hughes who uh, is involved with Plastic Free Wrexham, which some of you might have seen on Facebook. But we thought that we'd spend some time getting to understand what Plastic Free Wrexham is about and what its aims are and how you as businesses can get involved. So, Yona, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. We're, uh, yeah, we're, all three of us are far flung. Um, but we're but so we're using technology to the best of our advantage. Tell us a bit about Plastic Free Wrexham. Okay, Plastic Free Wrexham was started about two years ago, and it was it was uh, people who wanted to reduce the impact of single use plastic. 
um, which causes litter, it causes issues within our oceans. And, and there's obviously there's been a lot of um, awareness being raised about it. And um, so um, a couple of years ago, we decided to join the Surface Against Sewage pledge in that we can get Rexton plastic free status. So um, there are certain tasks that we need to do. And then we can get Wrexham Town Centre as a, a plastic free status. And then um, that and, and, and then hopefully once we've done that, we could take it then out to out as county wide and, and we can take what we've learned from Wrexham to other places. Now you've okay. been on Cal and SM um, before, haven't you, talking about this? I have. I'll talk all the time about single-use plastic or waste, do you know what I mean? Um, I was just wondering how you got into this. So I know you go surfing, don't you? I, I don't go surfing, I bodyboard. It, I, I must admit, it, it is looking like um, a beached whale more, more often in, in my wetsuit. <laughs> You've got a board, you're in a wetsuit, you're in the seat, let's call it surfing. Yeah, Yeah. all right then, but lying on my board. <laughs> but what other credentials or what other things have led you to be interested in, in the plastic free movement? Okay, um, well, I've been doing environmental work for 25 years now, something like that. I started working on, um, I, I used to sample the landfills, which was a lovely glamorous job, but wow. it just made me think about how much as a society we're wasting. And there was so much stuff you used to see on there. Kids toys, I think that was the real, it was a bin wagon and it, it just tipped out a load of kids toys. And um, then it was crushed and it's just like, why, why are we being so wasteful? So I've always been a bit of a, you know, recycling, reducing our waste has always been a bit of a bit of a thing for me. And, and every Christmas you don't get junk from me. You get something that will help you recycle and minimise your waste, really. And I get people looking at me odd, but I just think um, the plastic, uh, the, the plastic one is something everyone's recognising now. So it's easy. Um, and, and, and I've had people say, well, based on the climate change and the issues of, of that, you know, plastic is a, literally a drop in the ocean, but it's still having an impact on our carbon. So if we don't have healthy seas, seas absorb our carbon. So if we don't have healthy seas, it, it does link into that you know the, the climate change issue it, it's something it's very visual people will change things that they can see things that they can do so if you break things down to people it's just easier for them to to do something they'll feel that you know they're doing something about it as well so I think it's, it, it's just a good way of getting people starting those conversations so I think it's really difficult isn't it when you've got something as massive as well obviously the, the planet but you know it's such a big issue that you have to start small really and, and, exactly. it, and it's it's all of those little small things that join together to make to have impact I often think about um you use toys as an example you know there are things that I've owned in my lifetime that are still out there on the planet ordinarily you wouldn't even think about it but now we are at least educated to think well crikey do you remember that thing I had when I was whatever age it's yeah. still there yeah because I just chucked it away as you say people are more becoming more educated about that but it's a bit like where do you begin and it has to be well you've got to start somewhere presumably 
Yeah, that's it. So um, plastic free Wrexham is just having these conversations. If we can, there are alternatives out there. So if we can use, um, so a lot of um, plastic, one, it's not being recycled because you can't recycle it. And the other, you know, do we actually really need it? So you, you've got, they call it the waste hierarchy. So it's reduce, reuse, recycle. So if you use that as a, as a basis and, and businesses can use, use that because you're buying something and, and that's obviously you're, you're paying for that. And then you're obviously paying to get rid of it as well. Somehow you, you may not directly be paying to get rid of it, but somebody is or somebody's recycling it. And, and out, you know, we're quite linear in how we think we, we, you know, Plastic is made out of oil. There's only a certain amounts. You use it once and we throw it. It just doesn't make sense. So if we can get rid of that single-use plastic by either using something different or not using it at all. So a lot of the things, um, are we buying things as an alternative, just as an eco-bling, you know, because it has a better credential? Do we actually still need it? So if I take you back to the uh, the small things, well, I think one of the problems that some people have is they think, well, I, the little bit that I do won't have an impact on the whole. And, and people can sometimes see that that little bit that they do is an important part of, of the whole impact. And I think the same is probably right for businesses as well. So how do you manage with Plastic Free Wrexham to get the businesses to see that their little bit is a really important part of the whole yeah it's, it's it's just chatting to the business i mean so far the businesses who we've got signed up and have agreed to reduce their single-use plastic or remove them they're really enthusiastic and then what you find is once they've started doing it they find you know it gets bigger they then look at their suppliers are they using local suppliers are they doing that so for Plastic Free Wrexham, um, we're asking to remove three single-use plastics, which is tiny, again, a drop in the ocean. But we're seeing that they'll do, oh, and we can do this, we found this. And because they put signs up in their shops or whatever, it's then they're taking that message to their employees, to, the, to members of the public. You know, it is all these little things. They create a movement and they create that change. And what are we doing? So, yeah. I always think small things that, that they're not out of our control then are they so it's changing a mindset of 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 people incrementally and then getting yeah. people to change their habits as part of that mindset change yeah we, we're also finding a lot more people are saying well because because of the David Attenborough um, programs and things like that that people actually are more willing to go to these shops that are part of that rather than the others so with working with a company you know the businesses in Wrexham who are already doing it and enthusiastic about it and, and and doing their bit their business could either increase or you know we have to change so if we work with that yeah it is definitely a mindset and it is it, it, I'm finding it very slow there's other towns and they are so far ahead and I think it's just bit by bit We've got to keep going what would you say um, when we talk about single-use plastic you know most of us will think about your coffee cup your water bottle your packaging around your 
bananas or whatever it might be things that mm. you know aren't really necessary but for your average business that doesn't doesn't perhaps sell coffee i know staff will drink coffee you know but they don't sell coffee they don't have they've got a water cooler they don't have a vending machine etc cetera, etc cetera. if you're asking them to stop using three single use plastic things what are the types of things that most businesses could fairly easily start to change that is not beyond the realms of possibility yeah, the, 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 there's a jeweler's shop, uh, Reese Jewelers. Um, they they re, they've recently had their certificate, and um, one thing they were trying to encourage their staff not to bring in water bottles. So they bought, um, you know, it's it's a very small shop, and they looked at where they got their toilet paper from. Was it wrapped in single use plastic? Um, they moved away from wet wipes so wet wipes have plastic in they bought a water a, a small water filter that they can fill from the tap and put in their in, in their fridge it is simple things like that they bought mugs for all the staff um what was it the rugby you know the crusaders they their impact is very small but they changed in, um, during their games instead of the single use plastic cups and, and they still got to use plastic because they can't convert to, to glass because of safety reasons they've bulk bought a load refillable cups but they're also with their name um, and people can just take them as souvenirs and they you pay either a deposit on it and you can take them back and you get your deposit back so there are different things to do but we're all all also we're happy to chat to any business to see what they've got and, and what they can do differently and it and sometimes you have to think do you actually need them and 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 it's funny how we think but i can't do that i really need it and do we really do we really well the current it? situation is a classic example of that isn't it because we're all having to manage without yeah. some things that we would just take for granted so maybe it's it's a good time for people to embrace the idea that you can make a change yeah i always think do i want it it's more it's mainly yes do i need it it's normally no yeah it's just it is looking at mindsets and you can you can just change one thing at a time so whenever i've worked with a business on on um changing um ju just do one thing don't try and do it all at once just do one thing see how it works and in a month, you probably would have forgotten all about it. And it, it becomes a new habit. So just try one thing a month. We've talked on the show before about sustainability, probably a few times now, Heather. But one of the things that always shines through when we're talking about it is that there's so much more benefit to a business than just feeling good about hugging a tree, you know, your green credentials. It can actually have a really positive impact on your bottom line. And, and just using that simple um, question that you said, do you need it, actually can often help the bottom line as well, can't it? Yeah, because um, when, whenever you're looking at things like resource deficiency or, or anything like that, um, you do think, if I went in, into a business and said, but we could save the planet, I'm not going to get much from that. It's like, oh, here's the hippie again. But by changing that language and you can go, okay, so you've bought this, this material in, how much does that cost you? How efficient are you? Okay. And then what, how much do you pay for your waste? And when you look at that, okay. And you can do it on energy. You can, you, you know, you can do it on anything and go, well, 
you don't have to say environments at all to them but you can see well you're wasting money here so even if you change that language but what we're also finding is you've got the next generation coming in to start work and they are now so much more aware you've got the greta um, of, of the world and, and, and others bringing those next generations up they don't really want to work for companies who are not going to take care of the planet so now as a business if you want the next generation and your business to survive this is what you're also looking at you really need to do that and in that you know in an interview they're going to ask you what are you doing so i think that they are really going to push it which i'm so excited about with businesses in Wrexham then thinking going back to plastic free Wrexham how can they get involved what do they need to do where do they need to hang out to find out what's happening and where they can make a difference yeah so they can contact us on it's plastic free Wrexham but it's the Welsh Wrexham at gmail.com we are also on twitter but it's free Wrexham it sounds like we're trying to free some prisoners but it's free Wrexham <laughs> also on facebook on plastic free wrexham um, but wrexham is is the welsh welsh version they can contact us for some advice we can send them some information and we will also come and visit them and basically to get their business as a plastic free status they need to start with removing three single-use plastics from their business uh, one thing you can't do is change the single-use plastic cups to biodegradable, uh, the, the biodegradable plastics, because it's still plastic and it still has an impact on the environment. So, but everything else, and if they're struggling, then they can come and can, come and speak to us. But um, you know, get your staff involved in that. What can we do? And I bet you somebody's always got an idea within a business, and then we can we can give them a certificate once they've achieved that. And it's also we will keep in touch with them, see well what can you do next? You know, how can you get involved? That's how they can they can be involved with us. And is there any cost associated with this? No, it's all free oh another thing is um i was talking to a hairdresser and obviously they have a lot of plastics um so it's looking at a lot of their things they they may not be able to um to change but what they could do is um buy in bulk rather than smaller bottles so there's lots of different things you can do so we've heard from Yona about uh, her work with Plastic Free Wrexham, but we've moved things on a little bit and um, she was talking to us about sustainability and the three key areas of sustainability um, and what that means to us and to business. Uh, so we'll go back to Yona. Within sustainability, there's three things to consider. Um, you've got economics, but don't just make decisions on economic factors, but look at the environmental impact of that and what, what the social impacts are as well. For me, I think it's keeping that momentum going. and we, we can really change. So that's referring back to the book I reviewed on last week's show, Donut oh. Economics. Oh. Yeah, so you stay within the boundaries of what the planet can manage, but, yeah. but within that ring, which is also... Um, appropriate for the well-being of individuals and society and you've read yeah. that book too haven't you Yana? 
I have, yeah. I think that was like a real light bulb moment for me, you know, especially when it came from somebody who does that. I'm, I'm not an econ economist at all. You know, I do the environmental stuff. So um, it's very interesting coming from that from that line. But yeah, you, you've got lots of things now coming, circular economy. We've got an economy very linear. And that's the same with our materials. But it's like, so if you're manufacturing something, what happens to that material and, and can it go for loop or can you use recycled material in, in your in your product and things like that so i i find there's there's a lot more movement going on now so it's a bit more exciting it's such a good opportunity when we look at um you know how how do we bring up our um our economy now are we going to go back to normal it just shows what we've got now isn't working well, it just shows what is essential, isn't it? Yeah. So now is, is the time is rather than going back to normal and plowing money back into the normal is looking at what, looking at the future, looking more long term. So it's looking at what where do we need to move to get to a lower carbon economy so we can invest in um, in technology to reduce our carbon to in green energy um, consumption and new materials, more sustainable materials. We can be investing in, in that now. We know they, they will work. We know these technologies will work, but it will also reduce the carbon because we need to do that. You know, when you look at the data, we, we've got, what is it, 11 years now before there's a tipping point where there's no return. So we've now got this opportunity rather than plowing money into the normal. Into, it'll also benefit more local because we, we we've seen now you know the ones that are helping our communities are all small businesses you know and and it's just like we've always poo-pooed them you know we'll go back into the corporations who don't pay their full tax anyway to go back into our society so why can't we change and go back to that that local and and and, and looking after the community in Wales, we've got the Wellbeing and Future Generations Act, where local, um, I, I don't know if you've seen it, is it came in in 2015, where all public bodies who are under this act have to consider sustainability in their policy making and their decision making. And that's been in place for five years? Yes. Have you not heard of it? No. Oh, oh. So that has sustainability at its core. And it's, it's a huge shift, huge shift. So it's taken on the principles of the United Nations sustainability. So there's um, 70 sustainability goals under, under that, but they've brought it to, to seven principles. And they are a prosperous Wales, a resilient Wales, a healthier Wales, more equal Wales, a cohesive communities, Wales a vibrant culture and thriving Welsh language and globally responsible Wales. Do you know so what I love about that, Yonna, is that you just reached over to the right-hand side of you and there was the list. I know. This is a reference tool that you, you use often. Oh, look at that, colour-coded as well. Yeah, yeah. But, and, and I've, I've, I use this, how sad am I, I use this to do my own personal goals in how I can contribute to these. I can always send it out to anyone who wants it. Ah. And then um, it's also referencing how we need to work differently. 
so this is blowing people's minds how we've got to work differently so it's making this act is making public sector to do it's called five ways of working so you look at long term how we how we use our funding streams long term uh, when we make a decision what's it going to impact long term how can we put that funding more into preventative so this is really interesting for the public health system is that we've gone away from preventative spends and it's it's more a reactive spend but it just goes to show that things like mental health if we invested more in preventative we'd we'd be spending less on on the reactive so it, it's completely shifting stuff how we all work together um, so that to me is really interesting and then how we work collaboratively and we involve people y you know it's like right we've got this policy this is what you're doing you can't do that anymore it's like we know this is what we need to do and you ask people what can we do and it's amazing that the different ideas are coming out so it's just bringing in different mindsets so I know businesses, it's not, you know, they're not a part of that, but it's filtering through if they want any funding or anything like that, it's filtering through all stuff like this. So I'm so excited about this. Well, I think Yana's enthusiasm certainly shines through in that interview. I'd just like to say a big thank you to Yana for spending the time with me and Heather virtually on Zoom. And I'm, I'm sure we'll be inviting you back onto the show again at some time in the future. You're listening to the business community on Calon FM. And this week, as I was browsing through my Kindle Unlimited store, this book cover jumped out at me because it was so bright and appealing. And the title of the book itself was intriguing. It's called Beyond Llamas, Rainbows and Year-End Parties. And it's written by a lady called Lucia Abugatas. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. As usual with these things, um, we might be a little bit dodgy on the pronunciation. However, our mutual admiration for this book cannot be questioned. Uh, the subtitle of the book is Effective and Collaborative HR Throughout the Employee Journey. Now, Heather, what did you think when I suggested this book to you? I I really, um, I was distracted by the llamas and, and I sort of wondered, well, where the heck is this going to go? Um, and, and the cover of the book itself is quite quirky. Um, but I, I, I was not sceptical, but I thought, OK, I don't really know what I'm going to get from this book, how it's, you know, what it's going to be talking about. But I actually really loved it. I, I think it's um, now, OK, it might be for some people, it might be seen as fairly entry level in terms of if you're a, a HR professional. However, the way that it's written, it's done as a, as a story essentially, and you know how we like stories, uh, makes it really easy to, to reflect and think about how you conduct HR support. If, if you are a HR, if you have a relationship with HR, yeah, uh, yeah. so it comes, from, it comes from all angles. What did you think? I mean, does yeah. that sound fair? I think you're right. It does come in at a very basic level, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, even if you've been in HR for years, it, or, or any subject really, if you've been immersed in it for years, 
sometimes it's really good to bring yourself back to basics and to relook at things. And she does this in a, a really good way by she's telling the story of one particular person's experience in a company. And what I quite liked as well is she, she does a profile of this person, but she does a, a, a profile of all of the other people involved in her experience. And she goes through um, all of the employee journey from um, recruitment all the way through to offboarding and picks out highlights and pain points for that experience, not just for the employee, but also for the HR department and also for the managers involved. And I thought it was really interesting tool to make you think from everybody's point of view. And that's the key thing, not just looking at it as a manager criticizing HR or looking at it as an HR manager criticizing everybody else, but looking at all of them and going, yeah, all of your complaints are valid. Now let's see how we can improve this situation for everybody involved. So I thought it was really, really lovely. But the thing that really, the, the point at which I recommended it to you, Heather, was um, was right at the beginning where she was explaining how she'd come up with the book. And um, she'd, she'd heard Keith H. Hammonds um, with um, this article called Why We Ate, Why We Hate HR. I can't say that coming from Stoke. <laughs> Too many H's. Why We Hate HR. And I, that just... It really struck a chord and made me think, right, okay, that what we're trying to do here is is address a lot of the preconceived ideas there are about HR. And, and that is indeed what the book ended up doing. Did you feel the same? Yeah, definitely. I think she um I think she set the scene brilliantly because she talks a lot about and and I think I've witted on about this in the past, the whole idea of soft skills, softy skills. Uh, and then the hard skills, you know, so there's data, of course, and you need to be looking at indicators and measuring stuff. But HR is often classed as, oh, it's a bit, you know, a bit flaky, a bit soft and fluffy, when in actual fact it isn't. It's absolutely fundamental to the reputation of the business, the success of the business um, and the the contentment and um, satisfaction of the staff, because, you know, a well-rewarded, satisfied workforce who feel invested in will invest in that business. Um, so I think she did a really good job of drawing the comparisons that some people might either think about the, their own role as a HR professional or think about the HR department within their organisation. So she dispels some myths. And I think that's really clever the way that she does that. Um, she also one of the parts that I like is that when she's setting out um, the character and she gets us to know the character, she, she puts, um, I, you know that I'm involved with, with Myers-Briggs, but she, she puts some of the stresses, some of the indicators uh, that, her, that the character's personality has and then the team around her. And yeah. so she very, is very good at highlighting where you might, where one person might press her buttons or she might press somebody else's buttons. And then that is summarised and then she gives you a learning point at the end of each chapter. And I think that's really helpful yeah. things to think about, to apply. She also it's sort of like a little workbook in that respect, isn't it? Because she's she's provided a little space for you to write in there. Now, because I got a digital version of this, I, I wasn't able to do that. But I thought those reflective 
exercises at the end were, were really valuable, particularly when she was talking about the experience of um, managers. And uh, I, I personally reflected on this, um, exceptional managers and good managers and bad managers. And, and she was sort of saying that exceptional managers were a bit like unicorns. And uh, I was reflecting back on my own experiences through life. And um, she, she gave the traits of exceptional managers with four main characteristics. They were fair and respectful. They listened and cared for me on a professional and personal level. level. They shared their knowledge and they trusted me completely to do my work. Now, isn't that lovely to have a manager that's like that? A lot of people end up with a manager that's lacking a couple of the elements of that, which is complete trust towards the work and knowledge sharing. So I, I, that did ring a bell with me. And then a bad manager, she described as having four main traits. Misalignment between the walk and the talk. Don't we just hate that? Yeah. Roller coaster moods. One day they love you, the other day they hate you. They micromanaged and they bullied people. And I think we can all think of managers in the past that we've experienced a mixture of all of those. And I think that personally, that reflection was the most useful for me through that book, together with um, highlighting the fact that there were pain points for different groups. And so you, you learn to empathize with the right. You know, it, it's easy for you to sit there and go, well, you know, you, you might be complaining hiring manager, but you didn't read the instructions, but actually understanding where their pain point came from and how you could perhaps um, come together to make the situation better uh, with both of you. I mean, that might not be reality in that you, you empathise with the other group, but it, I, I found that was a really interesting um, take from the book. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a HR um professional uh i have a friend who is and i have bought a copy of this book for her because i think that she probably won't learn anything from it but it might have some mechanisms and some reminders in there that she can utilize when she's working with her clients not least that right at the beginning and this is only a, a, a this book's only a hundred pages long i mean you know it's not um it's not a great big tome that's going to take you weeks and weeks to read and it's very easy she's very funny but right at the beginning, she puts in a reading list. And I had a scoot round looking at some of the things that she's recommending. And they're not, it's not necessarily books that you need to buy. They're probably articles as much as yeah. anything. Uh, and I thought that was really a, a really generous thing to do and a really useful thing to do because the types of articles that she's suggesting, you know, you can you can read, you can read the works of Carl Jung. Uh, you know or you can read um an article on forbes you know it's you can go in as deep and uh detailed as you like or you can choose something that's just a bit more uh day-to-day -day operational uh and i just thought that was that was a really good uh part of the book because it was extensive and interesting and i did spend some time reading some articles uh but yeah I, lo I love it i think it's a great book you're listening to the business community on Calan FM, and this week we're profiling a gentleman called Casey Cole. Now, that is not the American Franciscan friar, Catholic priest, writer, and blogger. Instead, it is the CEO of a company called Guru Systems, um, which was founded in 2012. 
And we came across um, this gentleman because having spoken to Yana about sustainability, we thought, well, we might um, be advised to keep the theme going and perhaps look for somebody who's involved in a business that's um, working to make sustainability work in practice. And I came across an article about Casey Cole and about the award-winning business guru systems. So we've done a little bit of research. Um, it's, I think it's fair to say, Heather, that there isn't a vast amount of material to go on, but what we do have, we will share with you. Yeah, I think that's fairly accurate. Uh, I, it's, it also seems that Mr. Cole has, was very active around the time when I think he, um, he and a colleague separated from another business, so they sort of set up this entity on their own. So it was a lot of PR and a lot of stuff around uh, in about 2015, I think. Um, but things have gone a little bit quiet, but hey, he's probably very busy because they've been award-winning in terms of their work around um, heat networks and smart meters and um, uh, an organization that I'd never heard of, the Association for Decentralized Energy. Oh, do tell us more, Heather. Well, it sounds, um, apparently decentralized energy is generated off of the main grid and is produced close to where it will be used rather than at a large plant and then sent through the national grid. So I did a bit, bit more research and, and um, one thing that sprang, sprung to mind was, I don't know if you've ever been to the Centre for Alternative Technology over... I have indeed, yes. ...near Mahuntliff. Okay, so they... So they have um, a, like a water powered uh, tram lift thing. Oh, so yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, so that's that's power that is generated there and used there. And then they've got I mean, it's a long time since I've been, but, you know, they, they'll have ground source heat pumps, biomass, you know, all of these different type wind farms, but used on a local level. And I think that the Centre for Alternative Technology is harnessing lots of different energy types on a very small scale, but this is on a much larger commercial scale. Okay, so you've learned about that. I've learned a couple of things as well. For one, I hadn't heard of an organisation called Heat Trust. Now, Casey is um, the chair of the board for Heat Trust, which is a stakeholder-led consumer protection scheme that sets out a common standard of quality and protection on heat networks. And the aim is to give confidence to customers living in homes supplied by registered participants and provides a benchmark for best practice. Now, more interestingly, however, are some of the tweets that I found from his business guru systems. Um, things I didn't know, Heather. So get a load of this and see, see what you think. Um, so there's one dated the 17th of April uh, where Guru Systems say, according to Conservation UK, the effect of the lockdown on air pollution is providing a rare glimpse of a low carbon future. In some cities in the UK, NO2 pollution, which is caused mainly by road transport and power plants, has fallen by up to 60% compared to 2019. I think that's massive, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That is massive. And then 
April the 8th, they tweeted um, this I really didn't know. So emissions from heat are the single biggest contributor to the UK total. In 2016, which is the most recent data available, emissions from heat were higher than the entire transport sector. And so they say that heat networks are an important part of the solution to reach net zero. So that's sort of, I, I guess that's why Casey Cole came up in our search, is that the close links to um, sustainability and, and heading towards carbon zero, and particularly his business is focusing on the heat industry. Yeah, and it seems that um, a lot of the work that his company does is has been um, around a, a quite an innovative new product um, that they won an award in 2015 and I think this is largely around pro providing landlords you know so housing associations or, or you know large blocks of flats or whatever uh, a means to monitor the efficiency of the heat network and therefore make sure that they are running it as efficiently from an energy point of view and also from a financial point of view they also have the ability to to run pay-as-you-go smart meters through this through this type of network that they put in um, so that's where people perhaps who are on low incomes or have um or live in social housing or, or for example um they they don't clock up a big heating bill because they're paying as they go and it, and they can respond and monitor and change. So it's, it sounds like it's quite sophisticated, um, but it's aimed. And what I think is great is it's aimed at two strands. It's the environment and sustainability, but also about financial efficiency as well. And the, I read an article and the thing that um, sprang to mind is, do you remember years ago, people used to, um, you'd rent somewhere and there might be a phone with a padlock on it. Oh yes. <laughs> and if you used the phone, you'd be charged a certain rate. Your landlord could control the pricing structure rather than it being what, as was then BT charged. Yes, so that's right. Yeah. Remember, and the same thing um, happened with electric meters or gas meters that the unit price could be X, but the landlord could set the price. Well, it seems oh. that that's not, um, that's, that's not, that doesn't seem right anyway. So I'm no. glad that's not the case. Um, I also had a look at LinkedIn. I, I like the descriptions that he put in uh, on LinkedIn about Guru system. So um, he says he's worked in low carbon energy for 15 years. He's got in-depth experience of making sustainability work in practice, technically, commercially and legally. Uh, but I like this bit and it, it sort of ties in with what we've been talking about um, for businesses and sustainability. He says, I believe that in order to be sustainable, businesses must be profitable. And I have taken the approach of saving carbon through development of commercial, commercially viable businesses. So that, that's sort of explaining his thinking as well as you know, the, the ethos of Guru Systems, which I, I, I quite liked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, as we've already said, he's difficult to, it's difficult to find stuff out about him, but it's clear that the sector that he works in and the work that he's doing is, is, is quite key. And the government have, you know, I think they've funded, was it the best part of half a billion pounds into this whole um, uh, decentralised energy 
heat networks as part of the net zero by 2050 um, uh, aims. So um, I saw a little video of him and he was, he was just being interviewed at a trade fair. I watched um, that one as well. Yes, you, you put me onto that one. <laughs> I mean, he, he clearly knows his stuff. Um, and I think he's probably, as I said earlier, he's been doing a lot of work in terms of promoting the business and his position as an expert. Um, but I think at the moment he's probably off working really hard <laughs> at making things happen. While well, the I, did, place. I did have a look at Companies House and um, uh, Casey James Cole, as he is on Companies House, um, he has had 13 appointments on Companies House and five of those are current. So that they include fair heat holdings, customer heat customer protection, Fair Heath Limited, NPAL Limited, and the company that we know him for is Guru Systems. Now, their latest accounts um, for 2018, they had net assets of 1.4 million and made half a million pounds profit with 12 employees. And wow. all of those figures are, are a growth from 2017 as well. So um, they, these were submitted in October last year. So I imagine we won't get um, the 2019 figures until this October. So that's Casey Cole, our profile for this week. Like I say, if you Google him, don't go for the American Franciscan Friar. It's Casey Cole, the co-founder of Guru Systems. You can find him on Twitter, although he's been a bit quiet since May 2019. You're better off looking at um, Guru Systems' own Twitter account, which is at guru underscore sis. And you can find Casey's blogs on carbonlimited.co.uk. So that's about all we've got time for this week. Um, thanks very much to Yona Hughes, who set us down the sustainability route and hence why we were looking at Mr. Cole. Um, we'll be back next week with more news, views and reviews from the world of business. You've been listening to The Business Community with me, Tracy Jones. And me, Heather Noble. Join us again next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business.